This episode brought to you by the following patrons Boise, Jeremy, Ali, Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Joey, Mr. Rage Bomb, Libby, Sneaky Snake, Wes, Dreskel, Kaylee, Aaron, Danielle, the number Jeff, Amy, Tia, Matthew, Dave, Jonathan, Scott, Kate, Isaac, Karoon, and Nick B. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of the awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in our Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out and chat daily or don't i'm not the boss of you i mean yeah you're an adult decide what you want to do with your time his house in the middle of his street his house survivor's guilt is hard to beat his house (laughs) (laughs) i watched this film to learn how to patch drywall and i feel like there was a ton of unnecessary steps between (laughs) and i'm the horror virgin todd which means i don't like scary movies but you guys make me watch them and this week you two made me watch whose house his house his house <laughs> in the middle of his street his house this movie was kind of a downer <laughs> we'll see you next week Bye. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right so was this the first time either of you guys have seen his house yes yes because i read that it was kind of a downer <laughs> uh see i really wanted to see it because i found out that the girl from lovecraft country was in it and uh she was amazing in lovecraft country is she the main girl she yes uh the woman who plays real also plays the sister of the main character in lovecraft country if you haven't watched lovecraft country highly recommend I have not, but I have watched the first few episodes of We Own This City on HBO, and she's in that. Ah. And she's amazing in that, too. And honestly, the best work I've ever seen her do was in this movie. Oh, my God. She's amazing in this movie. Yeah, she is so, so good. And so is the guy, man. Like, all the emotional work they have to do in this, like, you feel it. Yeah. I, I like, started back working again after vacation. Yeah. Like, dealt with trauma all day and then i was like i'm gonna come home and relax and watch a movie and i was like these people are dealing with trauma and i was like this is not the relaxing i wanted so mikey is going to be sending all of you a bill for 120 dollars <laughs> well we chose it mikey and i collectively chose this movie that's true it was a very good haunted house film mm-hmm. Fuck, it's so good yeah it is a fantastic movie it was scary so like i really hated this movie because it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it's effectively scary. It is. Man, it's so scary. But like, it's weird in a way because the scares are sort of front loaded. Yeah. And then towards the end, it gets less scary and more like emotional. So like, I was super scared for like the first 45, 55 minutes of this movie. And then I'm crying the last 40 minutes of this movie. Like, it is so sad. No, I mean, I think it was still scary when he got fingered. <laughs> I had heard that this was scary and I saw the trailer and the trailer looked really scary and then I tried to stay like as blind as possible uh, because I did really want to see it but I waited because I knew we were probably going to do it on the show and I just remember now having seen it there were a handful of people who were like it wasn't that good and I was like did we watch the same movie because like this is a tough watch like don't get me wrong it is effectively scary and it is also a very emotional film like yeah. I don't think I'm gonna rush to watch it again but it was amazingly well done like this yeah. it is so good for what it is I mean essentially 
spoiler alert, early in the episode, uh, the ghost is survivor's grief, like in survivor's guilt. <laughs> like that is the ghost. Yeah. And don't forget PTSD. And don't forget PTSD. Uh, but we get kind of two different sides of the same coin where we we have her who wants to hold on to everything and continue to live in the trauma and him who wants to completely forget about it without acknowledging and dealing with the trauma and they kind of have to meet in the middle and like them finding a way to meet in the middle together and move forward i sob through the last like 30 minutes of this movie <laughs> yeah completely agree i think this is probably one of the best horror movies we've ever done as far as like yeah. it like is scary and like it has like a super powerful message but i also like my view of that is like super informed by like my past trauma and like all the work I've had to do to get through like the survivor's guilt that I deal with for obvious reasons. But like, man, this really hit a soft spot in my heart and I cried like a baby at the end of this. I do think we all in our own ways unwittingly tried to like calm back down after watching this and then unwittingly stepped into something that also triggered emotional stuff because like Mikey watched the the Romancing the Pod movie for next week yeah. which made him cry which like Mikey never cries during Romancing the Pod movies before I watched this. I know and then you watched this so like you had a double whammy I read a Bridgerton book that made me cry, so I had a double whammy. It's the whole thing. Yeah, and my brother and I were in a car wreck, and he died, and I didn't. And then I watched this movie. That didn't happen so, last night. So it's all the all equal stuff. Yeah, all three equal all things. Of this exactly stuff, exactly equal the things. same. Yeah, all of this stuff exactly the same. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know exactly what your survivor's guilt is, but I bet you deal with it on some level. Like I feel like a lot of people who have I don't know lived for a good number of years deal with some stuff like this at least like i don't think my situation is unique yeah yeah there's always things that you wanted to do differently you always like relive everything you're like i could have just done this and i could have just done that and you kind of beat yourself up and you blame yourself for what happens which is i think part of human nature which is we like to feel like we're in control of things and that sometimes random things don't happen and that like we are actually can, can change things but sometimes we can't yeah but when you really relive a trauma you go back and you think well, I could have changed things, but really things just don't make sense and there's nothing you could have done and it's really hard to come to terms. Or like you logically know that. So this is the problem with humans is that logically you Todd's like, there's nothing I could have done. That's not my fault. But he will still feel the emotions of all yeah, yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. I feel guilty. And I do a bunch of work around I that. logically know I shouldn't feel guilty, but yeah. I still feel guilty. What's up with that? The only similar thing that I feel, I have not had that kind of situation is... With work, if I'm involved in a call and someone dies, that I will feel guilty oh, yeah. that I didn't do more or do something differently. And one of the things I learned from – I actually learned this from the FBI when I went to like their negotiator course. The female body inspectors? Interesting that they would have a course on this, but yeah, please go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. traditional Federal <laughs> Bureau of Imperialism. Oh, shit. Um, they said they taught me something like the the trainer was very very good. She was like, look at these pie charts of good titties. Yeah, Mo like a hundred percent of titties are good. And honestly, she was right, Mikey. She was a good trainer. I hate you all. But they're like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're like the perfect counselor or police officer or paramedic or brother and you it, you can say all the right things and do all the right things and make all the right choices but at the end of the day like that person gets a vote on what happens in that situation yeah 
And sometimes you can say all the right things and it's still, you still get a bad outcome and that's not your fault. That's just, that's, that's human nature. Like you just can't control everything. And they, they still get a vote at the end of the day. Those are the situations that I feel like that kind of feelings, not like a personal tragedy like that. Most of the people closest to me have died. I've not felt guilty about most of Paige, most of it's them. It's because he was currently smothering them with a pillow. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the like, <laughs> Oh my God, I had the best laugh line ready to go. And I forgot it. Oh, what was it last night i took macy out because you know a lot of people were like i bet you didn't miss your dog so i took macy out and we were like talking and i sat her down and i said look to the dog yeah Paige, because i'm like treating her like i'm trying to like treat her how i want to be treated like jesus <laughs> recommends jesus the dog whisperer <laughs> <laughs> his name is jesus yeah he has a show on tbs actually it's caesar milan and i said look we're roommates I want to love you more. This is what I need from you. What can I do to make this happen? <laughs> Put your paw on this chore wheel. Mikey, when you say you want to love her more, do you think you'd have more success in loving her more if you started doing it doggy style? Yeah, how's your sexual relationship? Oh, no, we are. But all this too. You started by having a weird romantic conversation with your dog. No, I was like, look, bitch. <laughs> was that your whole laugh line? Was that the whole thing? You dragged us. 14 minutes through an act out that we could not use and cannot talk about cannot talk and about can't talk about and to have a bitch pun yeah i mean that's more of my brand <laughs> honestly he's right Paige. that is his brand <laughs> and not necessarily bitch puns but puns in general is mikey's brand yeah that and chaotic racist wizards <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny to me. It the thing that we learned in those 14 lost minutes of the episode is that Gandalf is fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not pass. Only Gandalf the White. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> not Gandalf the Grey. No, no. He was Gandalf the Grey and then he got really into QAnon and then he became oh, wow. Gandalf the White. Well, I believe in the letter of the Constitution of Middle Earth. <laughs> so if uh, Paige took her headphones off, she can no longer hear us. I don't talk to anybody north of the Mordor Dixon line. <laughs> Where is Paige? Paige left. Paige <laughs> left, Mikey. It was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. God damn it. We're still doing this? Let me know when we're done. <laughs> She's reading her romance novels. All right, all right. But because of these specific themes in this movie, it was very, very hard for me to watch. And it was probably more so hard for me to watch from the emotional aspect of it than the scary part of it. But this is not a mm -hmm. one for me. Like, there were some jumps that really got me. There are a lot of jump scares. Oh, their jump scares in this are really good. Yeah. And emotions are scary. Well, <laughs> yeah. yes. And I have been in therapy for a long time to be able to talk about that. Or, you know what yeah. I'm learning in therapy? How to feel feelings. Well, I was like basic. You're like real dumb. I know. <laughs> I know. Mikey, I think Todd might be a robot. <laughs> feeling. I'm feeling. Somebody just put a hoodie on a Roomba and called it a day. Oh. Which feeling are you feeling first? Like right now? Oh, God. You don't have to label your emotions, friend. <laughs> Thank you. 
bitch. We have to talk about the bunker. <laughs> Mikey, do you always know what you're feeling at any one moment? No. I don't either. I, I'm pretty emotionally aware. Uh, generally, when people are upset or in a high emotional state, they have less emotional awareness than, like, right now, I've pretty emotionally aware like i'm feeling very content and i'm pretty happy and i'm in a good mood and yeah 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 yeah. i'm hopeful i'm getting an award from the mayor and the chief of the fire department on thursday Ooh. you guys are invited well i i can't be there i'm sorry my mom's gonna come yeah i can't i'd love to be there but i hate the fire department <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Fuck the fire department. All their damn ladders. Like, what are you talking about? They fall off their trucks, Paige, and they injure people. They always come when you call them. They're the worst. <laughs> Just like me, ladies. <laughs> All right. I love the fire department. This movie made me feel sad for people seeking asylum. Yes. And like that social worker was terrible. What? Matt Smith? You thought Matt Smith was terrible? I mean, I like Matt Smith. Me too. I think he's great. He was a great doctor and he was nice to them. But like, I would have been like, I think these two might need to like talk to somebody. The reality is I feel like anyone walking off that bus needs to talk to somebody. Yeah. And they're not being provided with those resources. Yeah. They're like, why have you not conformed to our culture? I'm like, what year? Because at first I thought this was a period piece. No, this is modern ass day. Hey, dude. I had questions because I was like, oh, they're treating them really bad. Is this modern? Until Matt Smith pulled out the cell phone, I was like, oh, this just they're just terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, I mean, pot calling kettle black. We are also not great to asylum seekers in America. I'm nice to them. You are, but our country still has a lot of them in cages, by the way. Yeah. A lot of children, asylum seekers in cages. Cages. Like for animals instead of people. Cages. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. I mean, no one on this podcast is like, yes, we do. And that is a good thing. That is terrible. Right. I yeah, mean, yeah. And I also feel like sort of what they do to these people is not great either. I think it's better than them being in cages. I mean, even when they were in the detention center or whatever you call that. Well, the like, rest of them are. Yeah. It's better than cages, though, Mikey. Like, they had rooms with a bed. Oh, no. We're full-on children of men over over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, I did yeah, learn yeah. a lot about the South Sudanese Civil War that happened during this yeah. because I was sort of interested in it. And I, in truth, I knew nothing about it until, like, you know, 10 minutes after this movie ended. Right. But, like, apparently it, it started in 2013, ended in 2020. But, I mean, it was interesting to see this story because I don't feel like I've ever seen a story like this told, whether it's a horror movie or not. Like a, not just an immigrant tale if you will i mean like a mm -hmm. refugee tale like what it's like to be a refugee yeah. so like that part of it i also found super interesting because yeah i don't i don't know what it's like to go through that process i have no idea i was born in this country and still am in this country and haven't had to flee it for you know religious or civil war reasons or whatever the reasons are you would become a refugee yet <laughs> no i know i mean no that <laughs> i mean hopefully it never gets to that point but it definitely will <laughs> but i mean it is what it is i hope canada's ready to take us i'm already like try to get my ducks in a row for Canada or the UK. I'm coming for you, baby. I gotta make sure Natalie's okay with me marrying a Canadian citizen or someone from the UK to get both her and I out of this country <laughs> safely. I mean, I'm just over here also like, well, maybe California becomes its own country. Who knows? What's Who knows? Honestly, best case scenario. I shall be king of Tennessee. All right. So you guys want to get into the movie so we can talk about it scene by scene? Yes. We have been talking for 40 minutes and I bet 20 of it is usable, but... If that. Yeah. <laughs> so we open on a man carrying a child through the desert. He and his wife and their child climb into the back of a truck, like the bed of a pickup truck. And 
the mom turns to the child and just says, I'll protect you. And we cut to a boat on the ocean and it's like a speed boat. Um, and the boat is overloaded with people. It crashes and we watch as the young girl, the daughter floats away. Yeah. Well, it's not just the daughter though. There's like a lot of people in the water, but you see the daughter. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people die. But because we've seen the daughter get carried by him across the desert. We recognize her face. Yeah. Right. Man, it starts off like super sad. And then I knew I was in for a really fun hour and a half. So fun. It's not fun, but so good. It is so good. It is good. It is a downer of a movie that everyone should watch. Right. But you should watch it on a day where you're not feeling like sensitive. Oh, no. Yeah. Or have have your romance novel of choice handy to cry over that later. Uh, (laughs) You know, just preparation. Yeah. So we immediately cut to Bull, who is the man we learn. He is waking up from a nightmare next to Rial, his wife. And she asks, what did you dream about? And he says, our wedding day. And she doesn't believe him. And she says, well, that explains the screams, which is actually kind of a funny joke at the beginning of this movie. It's really fun. I chuckled. Yeah, I thought it was funny. And it's wild to me that a couple who has been through this can still find humor in anything. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was great. Well, they don't make a ton of jokes later. Well, that's true. They make, they a make couple. some, though. They they have a couple jokes between the, the two of them, which I actually kind of really like. I but. do f- really feel like they are not just trauma bonded, but they are like in they love each other like very deeply. Yes. Yeah. Well, they were they were married before. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. They like trauma renewed their vows. Yeah. On a serious note, I do really like how this movie dissects traditionally how males and females process trauma and deal with things in like a traditional sense yeah of like males usually don't talk about it and kind of move on and ignore it and uh which is kind of toxic masculinity old school style and you know her living there in the moment always yeah so it shows both sides of it anyway we do pull back to see that they're actually sharing a twin bed yeah in a shared room in a refugee we will find out that they're actually in a detention a detention center yeah Yeah. it's like a jail i mean and it looks like a jail well they're Bloodied up the guy next to them. Well, no, that's the guy across the hall. But as they like, as they walk to to the cafeteria or wherever they meet the people or later, the, yeah. the gym. Yeah, someone comes oh, to kind right. of collect them and is like, "You have to go to the gym." And their roommate is like, "They're going to send you back to die, basically." Um, and on their way to the gym, they do see them roughing up somebody else in one of the other rooms, and there's blood on the floor, and it's real dark. Yeah, it just shows that they left a bad situation and they entered another bad situation. It may be less bad, but it's still pretty bad. It's still pretty bad. Uh, they get to the gym where they are presided over and she's far away and I couldn't tell exactly if it was her but it looks like the headmistress from Dairy Girls <laughs> in like a, a weird wig in a different uniform yeah um, but she is a little too far away to see I think because she's not the main like person talking to them I think a lot of white British people look alike I mean you're not wrong they all look like movie extras but like main characters yeah you know the famous movie extra Hugh Grant <laughs> or Idris Elba. Do you know how many? I was gonna say, do you do you know how, how many British people play our lead characters in our movies? Yeah, I'm tired of immigrants taking my jobs. Oh <laughs> wow! What a dark and terrible opinion to have on this episode. You know, immigrants <laughs> like Henry Cavill, noted hot beast Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't like it, you need to leave, Tom Holland. (laughs) (laughs) All y'all Hemsworths. You can eat a dick, Christian Bale. (laughs) Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) At least pick a new name. (laughs) Leave 
Leave us Florence Pugh. She does our accent (laughs) convincingly enough she can stay. Anyway, so they find out they're being released, but they have conditions on their release. They have to report to basically a social worker weekly. Yeah. And they get a stipend of 74 pounds a week. And they are not to supplement that with employment. Pounds of what? That's their money is pounds. But I mean, the equivalent is less than $150. Oh, I mean, 74 pounds would be $92.66. Damn, yeah. exchange rates low as fuck right now. Yeah, Brexit kind of did not do well for yeah, them. Brexit yeah. did not go great. You're right. And also, believe it or not, even though inflation in the U.S. is going crazy, the dollar value worldwide is going up for no reason. Yeah. But I mean, it's all because a monetary system that's not based on anything. So like, it's all made up. It's all imaginary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's the equivalent of under a hundred bucks a week. Yeah. So imagine. Now, granted, they're not having to pay rent or anything. But they still have to provide themselves food clothing that's what i'm saying like like think about your your life and what you do in your day-to-day that's not rent that's you know utilities whatever and try to cover that with 380 dollars for the whole month the whole month yeah for two of you yeah that's nuts i mean that's not even groceries for two people i mean that that absolutely was me my first few years in los angeles and it was fucking brutal well yeah because you're eating i mean you can do it but you're eating like rice aroni oh, yeah. burritos that are like a dollar a piece <laughs> like you know what I'm talking i about? used like, to i used to buy eggs yeah. a lot of eggs yeah. because eggs were cheap and then i would make my own bread so that i could have like yeah. eggs and toast no matter what and so i would like never starve uh but you know that i could you know eat for like a week on like 20 bucks worth of like eggs and bread or whatever but you just get so fucking tired of eggs yeah back when i was uh you know like in college and then a starving artist it was like a lot of craft mac and cheese and a bunch of like top ramen and a bunch of like rice aroni shit like let's not forget the two dollar frozen pizzas oh yeah yeah, like the the little the party pizzas Mm -hmm. so the tip buy those pizzas buy mozzarella shredded cheese and you like get some more on that and then it's like a good pizza yeah so you could do it you could make it on 380 bucks, but you're only spending money on groceries and you're only buying like cheaper stuff that'll last a long time, like rices and, you know, stuff like that. Right. And they're in a house that is borderline non-functional. Oh, like so legit falling apart. Falling apart. And they're expected to try and maintain and fix it up on this stipend, which is like no money. When Matt Smith is like, just get a hammer and some spackle from the store down the street or get screws. Yeah. It's screws to fix the door. I was like, are you going to give him money to do that? He doesn't have any money like what are you doing i mean they never really address the money stuff in a way that i think they don't would be like reality but there's only one shot where they do and i'll I'll talk about it when we get to it because i noticed it okay because it's when he's in the h&m which is clearly an h&m which i found very funny oh yeah and he's buying the clothing to fit in and as he's adding up the amount that an outfit for him and an outfit for her is going to cost because he burned a lot of their clothes yeah it's literally their week's like wages yeah. to buy those clothes, essentially. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they board them onto a van. Oh, also, they're not allowed to move from the house. They have to stay at that house until they've been cleared for like actual citizenship, 
you know, or, or whatever the process is. Which they don't really talk about how long that takes. I, I did wonder that. Right. Yeah. Like how long they have to stay in that house because they essentially trade a prison cell for a house that is sort of a prison because they can't really leave yeah. it. They can't get a job. Like they don't have a TV right. in that place. Like they are just there to like maintain the house, I guess, and sort of assimilate into the society that clearly right. doesn't want them that we find out throughout the course of this movie. So like it's it's rough. Man. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know. I don't know how this works in the UK, but I have a friend whose dad, it took him 24 years to get his citizenship. Wow. Okay. And and I mean like actively working to get his citizenship. One of my former bosses, it took him 11 years. Wow. So like in America, even going through proper channels, it takes fucking forever to get citizenship. It is a crazy bonkers flawed process. I would hope it's better other places. I don't know. I would hope they're not stuck in that house for 11 years. Uh, but like in America... That could be your reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, in America now, if you get in a house, that's pretty good. Oh, God. Yeah, I would love a house. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not a haunted one. But that's also something <laughs> that, like, you you hear all of the social workers echoing, like, well, your house is bigger than my house. And it's almost this, like, I can't believe they're giving you this thing that I don't even have. It's like, they have nothing. This place is a dump. Like, this is insane. <laughs> so, okay, this, this is, is like a Todd's take on that aspect of it. But I do feel like the house is a metaphor for trauma. And I think it's really interesting that when everyone around them is saying, well, your house is bigger than my house, what they're saying and the way they're delivering that line is like, you should be grateful that you have yeah. a bigger place than I do. But it also comes across to me as like, they have so much more trauma than everyone else does in the movie, but the, everyone else in the movie doesn't even think about it. It's not even like something that they, they has, don't. It hasn't even occurred to them. So they're just like, you should yeah. be grateful. What's wrong with you? And they're like, well, we've been through a lot. Give us a minute. Like, yeah, that's a good read on that thing. I, I think their house represents their like shared trauma. Yeah, like, their absolutely. Life. But I do think the social workers are super shitty in this movie. Yeah. When you said Matt Smith is like the villain, I was like, he's like the best of the social workers, but they all sort of treat them like shit. Well, I, I think it's both. I mean, to them, yes, the house is a metaphor for their shared trauma. And that's what we'll get to later in the movie. But uh, Todd is absolutely right that everyone is treating it as like, are you ungrateful for what we've given you? And it's almost as if they believe that nothing before the day that they stepped foot in this AKA first world country Nothing before that existed. They were supposed to just immediately be here, be okay, be air quotes, one of the good ones. And you see it in a couple places, both every time they deal with the social workers, also the neighbors, but yeah. and, and even the black neighbors who are like, you have to speak English, like, and they are confronted with that too. But one of the worst ones I thought was the doctor. Yeah. Who is like, oh, did your little girl make that? I have a little girl too. And just never thinking about like what could have happened, like, not asking her about her experience or anything like that. And so then when she tells, basically tells her like what happened, uh, the doctor just doesn't even respond. Yeah. It's almost like short circuits. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, and I, that's like a bit part in this movie that that actress got, like the doctor, the, the lady who played the doctor. Yeah. And I think she does a great job of it because you can see her at the end of that scene or towards the end of that scene when she's like getting the story from Rial, she's like, oh my fucking like i didn't even realize what i was saying like i think i feel like you can see her start to process how shitty she was but you never see her like apologize or anything the scene just sort of ends well it's because no one no one apologizes no, to them uh, no like absolutely not yeah nobody does everyone is just like god can't you stop talking about it already <laughs> 
Like it's everyone's a total asshole. Your daughter died weeks ago. Get over it. Get over it. Not only did your daughter die, we'll find out equally awful stuff happened in in the process. Like we have we have not even scratched the surface of the awful. No, we have not. So they get to the house. It is in the middle of basically just gray housing projects. Um, and they literally, as they get out of the van, they have their stuff in trash bags and the social worker just throws them on the ground, like outside the van. Yeah. And Paige then just drives off. Doesn't say, hey, talk to that yeah. guy over there or whatever. Like, just leaves them Just there. drives off. And then they both like turn around like, "What? well, we're in a parking lot. We don't know what houses are. Like, they, they just didn't know what to do. Like they were just sitting there looking around. Yeah. And then th- thankfully, Matt Smith was already there waiting on them and he calls them over. But right. if he hadn't, beaten them there they would have been just like walking around this neighborhood like carrying trash bags of their stuff we'll we'll find out later that you can easily pick out which house is theirs because it's the one that is not maintained well and it's also the one that all the neighbors dump their trash in their yard yeah and and pee in their yard and everything yeah and so it's a dump and we walk through the house the electrical's not really working you know it's old wallpaper old furniture it's it is a hot mess and he's basically like so there's a doctor down the street there's a hardware store you can get screws there's a pizza box on the ground that has like maggots in it oh yeah it's it's like a roach factory yeah god that was so gross but yeah when matt smith opens the door it breaks like it falls in on itself and he's like just run and get some screws from the hardware store down the street or whatever yeah well and he basically says like oh we didn't have time to have somebody come in to clean it or anything but hey usually it's like a bunch of families in one and you've got this all to yourself so like you're lucky like they everyone keeps telling them they are lucky aren't you grateful (laughs) aren't you grateful after horrible shit happened to you there's just no empathy from any of these people at all which i guess that made me so i I think it's a good movie i didn't have a good time watching it because i feel like it hit a little close to home with like what i do and like seeing people do it badly makes me upset oh i'm sure of like yeah because like even if you don't know what you're doing if you do it kind and like you know you try your best like generally you're not going to hurt somebody but a lot of these people are actively hurting them yeah. By just being cold and unempathetic yeah. and bad. Through almost like negligence. Like, yeah. They would probably think they're good at their job, you know? Yeah. Because they're ticking the boxes of their job. I, I don't think they probably, they probably at one point thought they were good, but they're probably like, I hate this job. You know, this is a thankless job. Like, they're burned out. And I'm not. Well, we, we know that because Matt Smith talks about it later, actually, yeah. that he used to have another job and now he does this. Um, one of the other things he does too is that, like, as he's leaving the house, he has them have to sign for it and so ball signs for it and he's like oh nice you know you have a nice confident signature and ball is like yeah i used to work at a bank yeah and he just doesn't even register it he, he doesn't dignify it with any sort of response he does register it for later because matt smith says i used to work in a bank like you and now i do this right? right so he does register it he just doesn't acknowledge it which to me is a little worse i think yeah because he like definitely hurt him but just didn't care enough to acknowledge that he heard somebody say anything about it yeah that drove me crazy but the reason i brought up the they think they're doing a good job part was i think matt smith feels like he's empathetic and doing a good job but i don't think he is i mean based upon what he's doing throughout the movie but you can tell like when ball goes to talk to him and he's like there are rats or whatever he's doing this like faux empathy thing of like listen i want to help you out but you got to tell me really what's going on right well and he keeps repeating a refrain of the line i just need you to be one of the good ones which is a 
horrible thing to say. Super racist thing to say to people. Yeah. And to, quote, make it easy for people to like you. And I'm like, I mean, they've been through a fucking lot and now they're supposed to manage other people's emotions, too. Like, come on. (laughs) I don't even know how to make people to like me. I know. I was born in this country and I'm confident half of the people in this country would hate me. Yeah. I think that is a very low estimation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, definitely half of the country would hate me, but mainly just because I have a uterus. Uh, So they explore the house. They are at first very, very happy to have a a house of their own because like, yeah, it's like peace for a little bit. Finally. I mean, they were sharing what essentially was a prison cell with another person with another refugee. Right. And now they have a whole house that's furnished i mean it is furnished the furniture is very shitty that is a loose term furnished yeah no absolutely yeah. They have like two chairs and a table no bed or anything no there is a bed there's a bed upstairs but it is in a similar state to the rest of the furniture in so much as that it's probably roach infested and real shitty yeah so as they're kind of unpacking the few things they have and they do give them like a box of like food and and perishables and stuff like that yeah um as they're unpacking all of it she unpacks her daughter's doll and pulls the beads off the skirt of the doll and wears it as a necklace which i thought was super sweet i really liked that i do too we cut to that night where they've kind of spread a blanket out on the living room floor and they're just kind of sitting and enjoying the house and listening to music um and they're excited it'll be a new life it's great yeah we cut to a couple hours later she's gone up to bed he rolls up the blanket from the floor and he hears noises outside and laughter and then something smashes against their front door yeah and then he hears running and and essentially it is the it's the neighborhood boys who are assholes yeah i I assumed it was the boys we meet later yes absolutely they right away he has kind of a a flashback to uh, essentially the kind of like their ride in the truck the boat all of it like just that that shock of the bang against his door kind of you know throws him for a loop for a little bit yeah but then he starts to hear a humming and kind of a rustling and skittering and it seems to be coming from the walls and and there's a couple holes in the wall already yeah and so he kind of looks inside and reaches up and he hears like rustling and walking and as he's laying there reaching into the wall he turns and his daughter's ghost is behind him on the floor oh my god but it's like drowned ghost it scared yes. the shit out of me. I mm-hmm. audibly yeah. yelled and my cat jumped off my bed. Then as he like turns back from the ghost, a bird flies out of the wall. So yeah. at first you're like, oh, there was a bird in the wall. You know, whatever. We cut to the next morning and his wife wakes up and he's working on fixing the door. And she sees the doll kind of in the trash with the things that they brought with them. He's always kind of trying to get rid of the doll. And she kind of wants to keep it. It's like a weird thing where the doll moves to a couple different places. Um, But she points out the window and says, oh, look, it's the queen. And it's just an old woman kind of like (laughs) doddering through the street. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. It is a good good joke. joke. And another example of like, you know, how they're able to keep their humor through all this traumatic shit they've been going through, which I think is great. Yeah. As he takes out the trash, you do see that someone did throw something at their door last night. It looks like a bag of trash or something has hit the door. But he, as he kind of steps out with the trash, he looks up and he sees an old woman with a cat in the window. And he notices that all the other houses are clean, but not this one. Because again, this is where they dump their trash. 
Yeah. I mean, there's like old furniture in their front yard. Like, it's not like they throw like kitchen trash there. There is that in the front yard, too. But it's also like where you would throw an old sofa when you're moving out of your college dorm and it's not going to fit in your new apartment. So you just like throw it off your balcony and hope someone cleans it up at some point. That may have sounded like it was too specific to not actually be a story, but I promise I did that. And I feel bad about it. And I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah. What kind of emotions are you feeling now, Todd? Shame. 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 We're going to need you to walk through the town square naked. Shame. Nobody wants that. Anyway, he goes to town and he gets a haircut and he asks, uh, where are we? And the guy just says, High Street. And he says, in London? And the guy says, why not? Yeah. So they're like, they aren't even being honest with him about where they even are. Uh, By the way, if you're wondering, they're in Essex. I don't know what Essex is a pretty big place and the edges of it are close to London proper. I mean, London is a big, big city, but like, yeah, it's like half of England. It's not. But Essex is like right next to London. So they could still be close to London or close ish to London, but it's not quite to Ipswich, but it's like in between London and Ipswich. I've been there and I play a lot of Crusader Kings 3 uh, and I usually start as someone in England. So I know a lot about English geography because I'm a nerd and play that video game a lot. Oh, I need to play an English run. That sounds good. It's fun, Mikey. Anyway, so they're they're not in London proper, but they don't know that. He walks past a church and the church is just like, hey, are you a refugee? I've got something for you. And then they hand them another box of supplies, which is nice. I thought that was super sweet. And I do like that they have that as in here as well. Like, it's not all mm-hmm. terrible. Like, everyone around them, they're not all terrible. Like, there are people who are terrible to them. But there's also, like, that church who, like has a specific program for those refugees and they take in ball and they give him those supplies or whatever. But they also like, he has a good time sort of hanging out with them and watching, I think a football match or soccer. soccer game, yeah. yeah. That's not at the church. That's a different place. Oh, is it? Yeah, that is a different place. Oh, but it happens right after the church. Then it happens right after he goes to a pub and he has to carry the box of stuff. The church gave him. Okay. Um, but he goes to a pub and watches a game. Yeah. And that's where they sing about Peter Crouch. But everyone there seems to like, really like, like be happy that he's there and like they take joy in him joining them singing see i interpreted it as they were kind of mocking him oh really i didn't get that i got that they were like yeah you know the song too sorry yeah i i just saw that differently yeah i don't know i mean just the way they kind of looked at him and how they were kind of like (laughs) he's trying to sing with us like kind of i don't know but he has a good day yeah he perceives it as being a good day yeah so he comes home and he tells rial all about it and he's like well maybe i'll go out tomorrow and and she's like oh yeah maybe i'll go out look okay cool So they hear noises outside. They're trying to sleep. A car drives up and then drives away, probably dumping something on their lawn. Yeah. Um, And it wakes him up. And he goes downstairs and hears what sounds like footsteps on the stairs, but there isn't anyone on the stairs. Yeah. And then he hears kind of dragging sounds. Uh, So he turns the light on and the one that was broken, it doesn't quite turn on. He kind of like flips the switch a couple times. It seems to stay on. So it's like not being controlled by the switch. And then he watches as a strip of wallpaper just peels and falls off the wall. Fuck, this, this whole thing scared the shit out of me. Like it was so effective at building tension. Oh, I hate yeah. it so much. I was squirming. Well, the wallpaper falls off the wall and there's mold and a huge hole behind it. And he reaches into the hole. And as he does, we see behind him that the door to the house opens and closes. Yeah. There's so much cool shit that goes on behind them in scenes. That, that they don't even see. One of the reasons I love this movie is because it was like, 
very intentional with everything. And I love movies that like pack as much into it as they can. Like there's one scene where you see ball and over his shoulder, the candle in the kitchen goes out. Yeah. And then yeah. it goes completely dark behind him. Fuck, that was so cool. And then also super scary and I fucking hated it. Yeah. So in this one, the door closed. It's already kind of dark behind him and someone walks up behind him. And and we know having seen the movie now, it is the witch, but it is yeah. blurred. It's in racked focus. So you can't see who it is. Yeah. But he starts pulling what looks like a loose wire out of the wall. And as he pulls and pulls and pulls, it's a rope covered in seaweed. And at the end of it is her doll, her oh, daughter's yeah. doll. A- after, actually, it turns out what's in their house is a gory hole. No. Did you say gory hole? He did. I have to stand up really quick. <laughs> no. No. I love it. No. Mikey, I love it. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> that is a terrible joke, and I'm here for it. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. I love it. Good Lord. But I'll say this, if you hear water sounds and you're pulling on what was an electrical cord, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was thankful when the electrical cord became a rope with seaweed on it because that's not going to kill him. Right. Well, and so it ends with that doll. And as he pulls the doll out, bloodied hands reach out of the hole and grab it back. Gory hole. <laughs> yeah. Gory page. hole. I'm not going to call it that. I'm use not. Use the correct nomenclature I'm, if you I'm would. I'm not going to call it a gory hole. I'm not. What's in that hole? Gory stuff. <laughs> Paige, during this scene, when he's pulling the rope through the gory hole, if you will, Mikey, mm-hmm. he's pulling no. it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. Then you see the doll. I screamed. I screamed and I saw the doll because it scared me. And then the hands jumped out and I screamed louder. And then Natalie was just started laughing next to me. Well, then so he freaks out because it's terrifying. Yeah. And he hears her voice from inside the wall. Yeah. So he turns to like look around and then he turns back and the hole and the wallpaper are back to normal yeah so he peels down all of the wallpaper in the room and there's no hole it's wild it's so it's wild the next morning rial wakes up to see that he has peeled down all of the paper and she calls for him but he's not there she sweeps up all of the paper shavings she opens the door to outside and instead of seeing their yard she sees the bed of the truck with all of their lost children yeah and so she has like a mini flashback Yeah. So she's not doing great. No. Meanwhile, Ball is at the hardware store. So she has to go to her doctor's appointment. So she leaves and follows a hand-drawn map. And a boy kind of follows her for a little bit, but it looks like he might mug her. Eventually, he gives up because she doesn't respond. But she ends up almost in kind of a maze where she meets constant dead ends. There's the same kid kicking a soccer ball at multiple dead ends. Yeah, it's because the English people all look the same. Look actually alike. Di- they all look alike. Kids. Yeah, yeah. They've just been interbreeding for so damn long. He's probably like, "Oh, that's Nigel," and then over there, that's Nigel. No, they're both named Callum. Everyone in the UK is named Callum. Trixie Mattel told me so. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Everyone is Callum and Gemma. So she starts to get worried. She notices a group of black teens, and so she goes up to them and starts out speaking her native language, which is Dinka, and they pretend like they can't understand 
understand her because she then repeats in English and they still pretend like they can't understand her. I mean, they may not understand her because they may have been born there. They may not know that language, you know? Like, no, but I mean, like, she then says it in English and they're just like... Oh, well, yeah, they, they continue to be assholes. Yeah, but I, I assumed that when yeah. she was speaking her native language, like, they're not... Well, they're probably not from Sudan, right? So... I mean, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, but they seem like they don't understand her. But then... They very clearly are just pretending not to understand her when she speaks English, even though they do answer her questions. But then they like they just clearly are making fun of her accent. They're making fun of her accent and they all they also don't give her a clear answer. All three of them give her different directions and, and don't agree. And then when she kind of walks away, she kind of gives up on it. She's like, well, I'll, I'll just have to go back this way and find it. Yeah. They yell at her to go back to Africa. Like it's it's a brutal encounter. It's not. Great. It's really sad. She finally makes it to the doctor to leave somewhere where you're going to die because there's a civil war going on to go to a place that you can build a new life and then everyone there like hating you like it just seems so terrible to me I fucking like that part of this movie was also very hard for me it's like yeah. moving I'm not gonna say that I was gonna make a joke of like going to a new school and everybody hates you at the new school but that's, it's not even it's just not even it's so hard to make jokes about this because it's such a serious thing and they go through a lot and I just I was really empathizing with them and it just made me very sad yeah your glory hole joke made it clear that you were empathizing with them a lot <laughs> There is a hole in their house where gory <laughs> things come out. It's not a joke. What else are you going to call it? Honestly, Mikey, there are many gory holes in that house. It's not yeah. just that one. Well, you can't stop at one. <laughs> and Paige is slowly opening up her romance novel until Mikey and I are done talking about gory holes. Once you pop, you can't stop. <laughs> That's honestly where Pringles got their slogan from Gory Holes. It's like the most innocent part I can make fun of. And it's still terrible. Did you know that in, in Europe, they have different Pringles flavors. Yeah, they're like, this is pickles and fish. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember when when I was in, in Italy and Spain, we used to get paprika Pringles. And they were actually really damn good. I do like paprika. You know what I don't like? The English. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You're like Armando hating the French and then going to visit France in, in a couple months. Fucking traitor. Just like the French <laughs> waving his white flag of surrender about his French hate. Snail looking baguette sniffing douchebags. <sighs> he's going to come back and like have completely converted to the French culture. Like he's going to have a weird mustache. He's going to have like a grocery bag with a long baguette sticking out of it and a beret. Like salad. Salad greens and a beret. <laughs> he'll he's only gone for like two weeks and he'll come back with like hum, hum, hum. when I lived in France, you didn't live in France. You know people who do that shit. Oh, oh, you mean like he's going to be Todd? Is that what you're saying? When have I ever done that? Um, I was over there, so I know exactly where Essex was actually, and it's right <laughs> over to the east of London. <laughs> the funny thing about that is I learned that from a video game. I didn't learn that from actually going there. When I went to London and the UK. I flew into London, then took a train to Edinburgh. This joke is not an excuse for you to talk about the trip. <laughs> All right, noted. That's fair. That's on me. I apologize. I, I only know about Essex from TOWIE, which is a reality show that's just like, it going to be far. I don't even want to go. And you're just like, wow, they have hillbillies too. Holy shit. Oh my God. <laughs> that's always fun when you see another country's hillbillies. You're like, whoa. We're all the same. We're, we're just all the same. <laughs> just some of us have better teeth. Well, if they would eat regular Pringles, they'd be fine. <laughs> You've got to insert them like a duck bill. That builds up the layers on your teeth. It stretches the roof of your mouth to better accommodate more teeth. 
Well, they have Tato's instead. Potatoes. <laughs> no, you, did you not have Tato's while you were there? I don't even believe you went if you didn't eat Tato's. <laughs> I didn't have Tato's, <laughs> but I did go. Prove it. I know. <laughs> anyway, so she gets to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, is that, you know, your necklace? I like that. And she's like, oh, it was my daughter's. And she just goes, oh, your daughter's? I have a little girl, too. Just like completely misses that she says it was my daughter's. Like, yeah, was is the word that like clearly she's telling she is conveying to you pretty obviously that there is no daughter anymore. Yeah, I mean, was is a pretty powerful indicator, but she misses it completely. She's like, oh, I heard her say daughter. I have a daughter, which I think is understandable because she probably doesn't deal with Sudanese refugees all the time. And most people who come in are probably English and live in a society where daughters don't die or all the time. She you might know? not be like, listening. She might just be listening for keywords to talk about herself. So like, say you say England. And then you talk about the trip you took. I like that Mikey cut me off to talk about a time when I wasn't listening. Yeah. Let's talk about the time I went to Italy. <laughs> it's a me, a Italy trip. <laughs> it's a me, a page. I'm in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're Italy? <laughs> I'm, I'm in Italy. There you go. My Italian is pretty bad. I'm sorry. It's shaped like a boot. <laughs> What a boot that I like the way that Mikey isn't an asshole to you When you talk about where you've traveled That's the first time she's told me she's been in Italy I've been to Italy, I've been to Spain And she's told us more than once I have it recorded on many episodes I've been to (laughs) France I've been to Morocco Yeah, I've been to a lot of places Yeah, She's well traveled, Mikey Where have you been? I've been to your mom's house <laughs> she stamped my passport on the way out in the morning. Or I'm sorry, your passport. Uh, I had the best breakfast sandwich I ever had there. Because your mommy made it for me after I dicked her down. I mean, I honestly feel like you're trying to make fun of me, but I just feel bad for you in this scenario. Why? Do you think your mom's not a good lay? That's I don't not nice know, to your mom. But I have no idea. <laughs> Is she bad at making breakfast sandwiches? Yes. Yeah. I mean she's not the best cook She was like the single mom who had to work a lot And just never really got good at cooking Because she had to work her whole life You know which I have a lot of respect for And I completely understand why she's not a great cook And that's why I'm not a great cook either And I mean we both like cooking But we're not good at it But we know my type Single moms Yes. Well, my mom's been happily married for 17 years to Ed, who's my stepdad, and he's pretty great and taller than you and makes more money. So, <laughs> well, this happened 17 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was back when my mom was like super into yoga. So like Namaste. hanging out at ashrams. Say it, Mikey. Say it. I know you're gone. Namaste, dick. <laughs> Mikey, what you're looking for is namaste over. Yeah. And oh! see what's good. 17 years ago, I was of age. Were you? Oh, I guess you were. Yeah, you were like 20. I'm pretty sure my mom was of age 20 years ago, too. Does she still listen to this? <laughs> yes, she does. Thinking of you. <laughs> <laughs> you always remember your first. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so in this scenario, my mom, like uh, Mrs. Robinson, seduced you and took your V card. Wow. I really am glad that we did find the funny in this episode. I'm very sad it came at the expense of my mother. Well, I tried Gory Hole. <laughs> I was on board for 
gory hole, Mikey. Paige wasn't. This is all Paige's fault. She turned us against each other. <laughs> Just like his house. <laughs> Paige is the witch of this episode. She's the witch. Yeah, burn her. I'm going to roll 24. <laughs> <laughs> but the worst part was she was vegan. You know who's not vegan, Mikey? My mom. I know she eats meat. <laughs> what do you think was in that breakfast sandwich? Your dick? 100. Did you eat your own dick in a breakfast sandwich? <laughs> so what the this, fuck is happening? You ate your what own kind of dick, evil you dead sick bullshit is What is wrong with you? I like how you try to make a sexual joke about my mother and you turn it back on yourself. You idiot. We ate each other's parts for breakfast between bread slices. <laughs> Mikey, that's how you get a yeast infection. <laughs> That's how she's gonna get this beast injection. You know what I mean? Oh, oh my god! I hate oh. everything about this. We're terrible people, Mom. I am so please. I hope you turned the podcast off twenty minutes ago or five minutes ago. Whenever we started talking about you, depending on the edit. Who knows? <laughs> so the doctor is like, skips over the was and is like, oh, I have a daughter. Also, we went to England and we went to Essex and that's how we know where Essex is. And then she's just like, <laughs> my daughter died because we had a civil war where everyone kills each other all the time. And then she drowned. And she's just like, Okay. She literally says she drowned coming across like the English Channel or something like that. Like, yeah, when we crossed the sea, I yeah. think it's actually the Mediterranean, probably. Yes, is is what I was thinking. South Sudan is landlocked. This is another thing I looked up yeah. afterwards. The, the reason I thought it was the English Channel is because I looked up like refugee routes, and a lot of them came from France and then crossed into like they went from They're... Sudan to Fr South Sudan to France, and then they snuck into the English Channel and then went to England. That's very possible. They could also go up through Egypt or Libya. Yeah. Or if they went through Morocco, you can get to Spain very easily, but that's the other side. So you would have yeah. had to travel across Libya and Algeria. I think it's more possible that they go either up through Egypt and then across the Mediterranean yeah. uh, or uh, across the Red Sea into the Middle East and then over from there. But this is all like just guessing because she does not say what sea it is. But yeah, so we cut to she comes home from groceries and or from getting groceries. She sets them on the table. She hears splashing outside. She looks out her window and there's a schoolgirl just peeing on the side of their house. Yeah. Like, you know, as if it was a public restroom. Yeah. She walks into the living room and she sits down and kind of stares at the wall and she hears something fall. And it's the bag of groceries. And there's like a whole bunch of nectarines. And one of them rolls toward her. Oh, man, this scared the shit out of stops me. Stops next to her and then rolls into the wall. Mm. And she doesn't retrieve it, but she hears the voices coming from the wall and she kind of looks closer at the hole. And then we hear the door slam because Ball is home. Yeah. And he finds her in the living room and he says, I'm sorry, I lost track of time. And she's cooked dinner and has it all set out for them on the floor in the living room. That's why I only eat oranges. But you think it was the nectarines fault? Yeah. It was the nocturnal arena. <laughs> that part did scare the shit out of me. Like, I fucking hated so much of this movie. The scary stuff is really scary. I, I mean, maybe I'm weird, but I love stone fruit. So, like, I was on board. I was like, I'm like this wall where I want that nectarine in my mouth. Yeah, you want it in your gory hole? That makes sense. <laughs> I want it in my story hole. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. The hole where my stories come from. I love it. I'm going to start referring to my mouth. I'm going to the dentist tomorrow and I'll be like, hey, are you going to check out my story hole? Yeah. yeah. And he'll be like, sir, 
this is a Wendy's. You don't have dental insurance. What are you doing? Actually, uh, my uh, dental insurance is way better than my health insurance. My health insurance is terrible. Is it really? Yeah. My health insurance is amazing and my dental insurance sucks, but... Yeah, mine's the opposite. My health insurance is trash and my dental insurance is like good. It's not great. Most dental insurance sucks, but so like yeah. I'm kind of surprised that yours is good. Me, uh, honestly, I was surprised too. <laughs> anyway, uh, as he sits down to have dinner with her, he basically says maybe next time we can use the table, which she doesn't like but also it's like you don't need to like it's your own house do whatever you want i also say that on the first day oh maybe we can use the table next time (laughs) you just want to do a table wipe you just want to throw everything off a table just for the fuck of it people love that mikey you need to set up like a decoy desk that has just like random shit you don't really need on it but looks expensive (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's all, all, all plush toys and nerf just like no, it's like uh it's like when someone stages a house for like a home showing <laughs> those plastic yeah, it's like computers. Fake computers and shit and like, you just swipe it off the table and like bone them on it yeah 10 out of 10 girls agree that clearing a table for the time is hot the time i refuse to believe you've had sex with over 10 women I refuse to believe you've had sex with Morris Day in the time. <laughs> oh, we, oh, we, oh. Yes. Where do you think they got that line? That's what they were yelling during the time? <laughs> I was yelling. Oh, oh Mikey, no. We, oh, we, oh. <laughs> You're eating Oreos. Because the real line is Oreo, Oreo. <laughs> Girl, I want to show you. <laughs> anyway. So she doesn't want to use the table, but also they they shouldn't have to. Well, I felt like that was the culture clash. Like he wants to move on and embrace the UK culture or more Western culture. And she still wants to acknowledge and pay homage to her culture, which I, I honestly think both of those is fine. But I think it plays into what Mikey was talking about earlier. Like. The man is very much Second like... Second dates for the table. No, 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 no. No. The, the very insightful oh. stuff you said earlier, not the crass stuff that made me laugh because I'm a bad person, but like the <laughs> the man just wants to not acknowledge the trauma and move on and the woman wants to live in it. I feel like this is sort of a practical application of that. Like I really liked this struggle between the two of them. Yeah. Because yeah. you see oh, it again yeah. with her eating with her hands and him eating with the utensils, right? Yeah, with silverware, which, which is literally the same scene yeah. as he grabs him silverware and she just sets it down because she's she's like all i taste is metal and he's like you'll get used to it and she's kind of like i don't need to or want to like i can eat however i want to eat like i mean i love finger food same and like the stuff that she prepared for dinner which looks amazing is made to like you break off some of that bread you dip it and sort of scoop it with the bread and you eat it like yeah dip and chips like that kind of thing which i don't know if you've ever eaten stuff like that it's the best like yeah get some naan or whatever and curry yeah it's so good Yeah, when i was in morocco yeah it was amazing moroccan food's amazing but i really like that practical application of the way they're dealing with the trauma i thought that was cool yeah well and he says he's like we can do well here we can get jobs we can assimilate we can start a family and she's clearly upset by the suggestion by the start of family they start a family yeah and i honestly thought i was like oh that's sort of heartless because they just lost a daughter and then when the reveal happens that makes more sense why he said start a family and i was dude Mm -hmm. the, the reveal blew my mind like i i was not at all expecting it and I was like, oh, my God, this makes this so much more layered and crazy. Yeah. And I sort of love it about the movie. Not that they do it, but that they include it. I was like, what the fuck? This is amazing. Yeah. 
So she then counters with, my mother used to tell me a story. In our village, there was a, a good but poor man who wanted a home of his own, but he couldn't afford it. So he stole from others. And one day he stole from an old man who lived by the river. And that man was an apeth, a night witch. Yeah. Then when he built his home, the night witch would also live there. And before long, the walls would whisper his spells from the shadows and the dead would come. And it would not stop until it consumed the man entirely. And she then continues to say, that's happened here. It's arisen from the ocean. It followed us to this house and it speaks to me. And he is like, I don't believe you, but what did it say? And she says, we don't belong here. And if we leave and repay our debt, it will guide us back to her. Yeah. And he says, she's gone. The sea took her. And asks her to speak in English. And she says, no, I will speak my mother's language. Yeah. And like corrects him. She says she lives and he says, she's dead. We've grieved enough and there's no witch. And I and she's like, well, I had thought that I was dreaming, but I can see in your eyes that you've fucking seen this shit, too. Yeah. And you're a liar. Well, he totally has. Like he has experienced yeah. some weirdness. And I mean, he's seen his daughter by well, quote unquote daughter by this point. Right. Right. Like it's at least her face or her arms in the wall. Like he's experienced some weird shit that is explained by what she's saying. And she can clearly tell he's lying about experiencing weird stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think we see later in when we get the full flashback, we kind of get an inkling as to why he is seeing the daughter more often. Oh, because yeah, the wife does not actually see the daughter as much. No. But once the reveal happens, I think it makes sense as to why he sees her more. Because I think the witch represents their grief and their trauma and she's dealing with it and seeing it and talking to it and processing it. Right. He's ignoring it. So yeah. it's chasing him. It's literally chasing him in the movie. It the, is. the daughter of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also, during the flashback, he abandons the daughter to save his wife. Yeah. He is the reason she died. Well, and also it's his idea to use her as their daughter. Yes. And if you see them get on the bus together, he's holding her and she sits away from them because there's not an open seat right next to them. And she looks over like, what the fuck have we just done? Like, yeah. she doesn't say that, but you can see that in her. And I like, it's so nuanced and there's so much going on that it's, it's wild. It really is insane. Yeah. So we cut to that night after dinner and he's scraping the wallpaper off the walls in one of the other rooms. Yeah. And the light behind him goes out. This is where the candle yes. goes this out. This is that shot I was talking about that was like so yeah. creepy. Kicks up the scare factor at this point. Oh, oh yeah. Because yeah, he, he peels off like a big chunk of wallpaper and he, he feels someone behind him, but there's no one there. And he hears footsteps and he sees someone walking through the living room and she stops in the doorway and turns. There's a crash and he turns she's gone but someone else is like crawling through the hallway and then there's people in the living room again calling for their mama and she's sitting in on the floor like stabbing into the ground yeah as he gets closer she turns and it's a mask and she like screams at him and tries to come after him with the knife yeah and he backs into the corner she's gone he hears lots of voices he runs outside he sees the old lady with her cat and tries to (laughs) smile like i'm not going crazy like i'm uh, yeah he's like i'm not having an episode of something like nothing crazy is going on hi (laughs) like yes so he goes back inside and sees rial on the stairs and she says so you saw it yeah meaning that she's seen things too we we just aren't necessarily seeing her view as much 
Right. And he says, we have to destroy everything. We've been marked. And he burns all of their things, including the doll. And he goes to take the necklace. And she just says, don't leave me with nothing. And he pulls the necklace off and throws it into the fire. Dude, the don't leave me with nothing. Just like, I just started like crying quietly to myself. And especially because at this point you think it's actually their daughter. And like, it's just so sad. It's so sad. So we cut to H&M the next day where he's picking out outfits. He's being followed by a security guard. The entire time. Man, I noticed that too. The security guard was like sitting down drinking something. And then the second he walks in, the security guard puts the drink down, stands up and then walks to a place where he can like eagle eye him the whole time he's in there and is staring at him the whole time. Like they're in this store. Yep. It's so shitty. So he picks out an outfit, but looking at the prices, it's like for the two of them, it's going to be almost a week's worth of their stipend. Yeah. So back home, they have their new clothes on. And he's trying to pull things out of the wall. And as he does, he cuts his hand and ends up bleeding everywhere. Yeah, no, and nobody likes a bloody gory hole. <laughs> That's actually the textbook definition. Of yeah, like hole. it's the minimum requirement of a gory hole is that it's bloody. I'm so glad we got Paige to say it, Mikey. Fucking hate you guys. <laughs> it's the only joke you can make. <laughs> he gets the lights to work again. I did like that he is a licensed electrician for some reason. Like, if they put me in this house that needs all this work, I'd be like, I need access to YouTube because I'm going to have to like look up how to do everything because I don't know how to do anything. But there are YouTube videos on how to do all of it. No, no, no. I know. But like, I would need a step-by-step guide on all of it because I am so lost. But I, I prefer the lights off if I'm going to a gory hole. <laughs> I mean, I get that, but like you should just be more comfortable with yourself and then you won't mind if the lights are on or off, Mikey. It's not about that. It's about the romance. Oh, okay. So he gets the lights to work again and we cut to Rial sitting in the, the kitchen next to kind of the wallpaper he was peeling the night before and we see that she's talking to no one and she just says he doesn't want to leave you. We don't know who it is. We never find out who exactly she's talking to. But Ball confronts her and she's like, you probably think we're going crazy, but like, I believe it's the witch. I've been listening to the witch. And he's like, I don't think it's healthy for you to be alone all the time. (laughs) I think you should go outside and do something in the community. And she's like, we're not like them. And he's like, well, we can be. And then she says, you don't wonder what it tells me. You don't ask what the witch tells me. And She says, after all that we have seen, you think I'm scared of ghosts? I'm not. I've seen way worse things than ghosts. And it says that I can get her back and that I should be afraid of you. Yeah. Now, I think with the the metaphor perspective, like it's like, hi, I can look at all the trauma we went through. I can talk about it. Yeah. I'm dealing like I actively try to bring it up to you a lot. And he's like. Why don't you just go out and like do some stuff and get distracted from all this? But she she also, though, is very much dwelling in it in a way that's not the most healthy. But she is talking about it more. To me, I think she's dwelling in it more because she can't get him to share the experience of processing it with her. That makes sense. As soon as he does that and they do it as soon as he confronts the witch and accepts it and does that, she comes and takes him out of it and then they move forward together. Yeah. Well, they move forward with their trauma together. Like at the end of this movie, yeah. when they're talking to Matt yeah. Smith, I was like full on bawling for obvious reasons. But like, I think you're right, Mikey. I think it is her sort of not necessarily playing with him to open up to her because there really isn't that part of it. She's she's overcompensating yes. for him not talking. About yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he very much is doing the man thing of like. 
Why can't you just like occupy yourself with things that aren't not our trauma and grief? Right. Which is not healthy. Like it's you shouldn't bottle it up. Like that's not yeah, you the have right to way to process it. Be able it. Yeah. To, to deal with it. And Absolutely. Then talk about it sometimes yeah. every now and then. Yeah. So he's like, "This is our home." She leaves. He eats dinner alone, and it pulls back. So like he's in the kitchen. And it pulls back and now it looks like just that chunk of kitchen wall that's just a bombed out wall adrift on the water. And he kind of realizes that he, as he's eating and he looks down and sees dead bodies below. He falls down kind of among the dead bodies. They rise up. Yeah. He wakes up. It was a dream. Or was it because the living room is now full of dead bodies and they're walking out of the shadows. Fuck, it was so scary. And that shot was so cool because it's it starts out close on him and it yeah. looks like he's just eating at the table like he was before. And then it zooms out and you see that that table and like that section of floor and wall are literally adrift on the sea. Like that shit was so cool because it's just one pull out shot. I was like, fuck, that's so, so cool. And then it immediately becomes very scary because those like dead people in the water are now in his house attacking him. And it sort of like lights out. I felt like this scene was a little lights out because when the lights are off, they're there attacking him. And his daughter even gets up and is like trying to slit his throat. And he's trying to like get to the light switch. And when he turns on the light switch, they're gone. Yeah, and we do see her controlling the light switch at one point. That is true. On yeah. and off. Yeah. Well, she's the one that turns it off, and that's when they all appear, right? Right, right, right. Well, but then she turns it back on as they're trying to, oh, that's to true. like slit his yeah. throat and gives him a little bit of a reprieve. Yeah. Yeah. But and, and this is where he's basically battling like a horde of zombies on and off, on and off, on and off. And finally he gets the light switch back on. But he's not okay. And he sees them peeking out of the holes in the walls and running across the ceiling. And as he reaches into the walls, he grabs one as they pass and he yells, this is my house and starts hammering holes into the wall. Yeah. And we cut to he wakes up on the bus the next day uh, and he goes to see Matt, the social worker, Matt Smith. Yeah. And he's clearly not okay he's clearly been awake he's he looks bad and matt smith is like what is happening yeah. and he's like there's they're rats they're making my wife sick like we got to go to a different place and matt smith is like well why are you not adapting and it's like bro i don't even have the tools to to battle what i have to adapt to right now yeah. basically and he gets so nervous and anxious that he smashes the glass of juice in his hand yeah, like crushes it in his already bloody hands because he's got them wrapped from when he was right. messing around with the gory hole and cut his hand. Like, But it's clear he's like, yeah. he's having issues, right? Yeah. I see this at work a lot where I'm like, hey, we got called out here that you might be in a crisis. Are you okay? They're like, I'm fine. And I'm like, oh, no. And they're like, yeah. the, gra the glass breaks in your hand. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and this is one of those things where I feel like Matt Smith, the character, feels like he's being empathetic or whatever but he is yeah. like no i didn't read empathy from this scene at all no, I don't no, 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 I, condescension yeah yeah i think you're missing what i'm saying i feel like the character matt smith is playing feels like he's being empathetic but he's not it's right. not coming across that way like he's even like no you smell bad like what's going on with you like what's wrong with you i feel like he's like not empathetic at all i feel like he's like doing what his job responsibilities are which is like he's a social worker and i'm doing air quotes on a podcast i'm such an idiot <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think people. I think people could hear your air quotes in the way you were saying okay, it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But like, really, his bosses were like, "Oh, you're a social worker. We want you to monitor people in their houses. If they're not assimilating to the culture, if they're having signs of psychiatric distress or anything like that, they need to come back to the detention center." So he's more worried about monitoring that and controlling them than it's actually empathy and helping them. That yeah, that's sense. what I mean. Like, I even right. mentioned this before, but that like fake or faux empathy that he's like he's saying things like, "I'm trying to help you. Like, let me help you. You just gotta tell me what is actually going on." But he's like not listening to him. He's like very condescending to him. And just saying things that are actually not very helpful And I think that's why Ball gets to the point where he breaks the glass in his hand And he just gets up and sort of runs out So we cut back to the house Where Rial actually hears their daughter In the wall and a hand Reaches out of the wall and just drops The necklace on the floor Yeah, And she picks it back up And as she picks it back up she looks and sees Their faces peeking out Through all of the holes in the wall Yeah it's not just the daughter it's like The victims of that drowning Like because a lot of people drowned with their daughter Too there's usually a ton Of faces in the gory hole (laughs) (laughs) They're just lining up to get a bird's eye View of the gory hole page No uh, it's terrible (laughs) I don't know what else to talk about Besides just trauma I mean, that's kind of this movie, I guess. Yeah. But we're almost done with the movie. Yeah, we are. And we're, and we're under two hours, so. Well, I mean, but uh, about an hour of that is usable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, we're, we're moving along pretty pretty fast. Yeah. I'm sorry to take us on the D&D journey. Those last 14 minutes. Oh, man. <laughs> so, Ball comes home, and they're kind of, like, as he, as he walks home, he encounters the old lady with the cat, and she just says, why don't you just leave? They're going to kick you out anyway. I'll give it a week. And literally as he's walking inside, they show up in a van like they just beat him there. Yeah. And they walk into the house and the house is destroyed because he's been just going at the walls with a hammer. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to have to report this like we have to come back and check on you. And then as they're talking about it, Rial comes down and is like, oh, did you tell him about the witch? (laughs) And he's like, no, no, I didn't tell them about the fucking witch. Uh, and she's just like, oh, heads up. There's a fucking witch in this house. Yeah. It followed us here. He's been fighting it with a hammer. That's what all the holes are from. And it knows great magic. And it's filling the house with ghosts and visits from our daughter and just kind of like lets it sit. It just like hangs in the air there. And everyone's like, all right, that was just said, I guess. Like, And then she's like, put that in the report. <laughs> like, yeah. write it down. Yeah. So they leave and they're like, we should better write them up. Like they're we're gonna have to send them back. It's it's not good. Before they leave, Ball does plead with them. He's like, I'll fix it. Please don't like report it. Please don't take photos, even though they do end up taking photos. But like he owns it. He's like, Yes, I did it, but I'll fix it. Right. So we cut back to Ball and Rial kind of talking after they've left, and she's like, You are thanking them for the bare minimum. Yeah. Like you are begging for the bare minimum. We deserve to be treated like people. And if I have to go back, I'll go back. Because, like, at least people treated us like people in a way, (laughs) like, you know. And he's like, did you forget what it took to get us here? And she's like, you forget our daughter. And he's like, you're sick. This is our home. You're not going anywhere. And he traps her inside the house. He takes all the window latches off and the door handles. She is trapped inside. Yes. Very illegal. Yes. Very very illegal. illegal. He lights a candle in the living room and he says... To the to ghost or the to the witch. This time you talk to me. Yeah. And so the shadows of the room shift as the sun sets, leaving only the candle on the floor as the only light in the room. Yeah. 
He closes his eyes and he can hear them in the walls and he opens them up just to see a fire in the distance where his candle was. It's so and it cool. looks like a campfire. It does. It's so cool. It's such a cool shot though. Like there's so many cool shots in this film. Yeah, it's very yeah. well done. But the way the candle becomes the campfire and like all of that shit was just so well done. It was great. And he basically is like, show yourself and the witch emerges and it's like a full blown. Yeah creepy looking witch almost like a kind of skin skeleton skeletor man kind of thing but at this point you can't really see all of the witch because it's very like cloaked in shadow you don't see near as much of him as you do when he's like finger banging his forearm right 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 um but he basically says to him if you want her back basically your daughter if you want this to end if you want us to stop messing with your house yeah take this knife and open your flesh and I will trade your body for hers. You should come to me yourself. And he walks over to him and realizes that the fire that he has can't burn him. It's all illusions. It's just things that he can see. It was such a cool shot because he sticks his hand in the fire yeah. and like yeah. leaves it in there for like way longer than you could do that. Oh, yeah. And then he realizes that the witch can't touch him or hurt him the witch has to convince him to do it himself which i thought was super interesting and there's like a lot of metaphor i think built into that because you can't really Mm -hmm. be forced to address and work on your trauma you have to like willingly participate in it and i thought that that was very very interesting yeah yeah exactly and really it's not the the memories itself don't hurt you it's how you react to it yeah absolutely Yeah, yeah 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 right and the fact that he had to cut his arm to uh, do it. I mean, there was so much like metaphor built into it. It was very, very interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, and so he basically backs up and is like, well, you can't hurt me. Pictures don't hurt me. And then he goes, then why don't you sleep? Yeah. And he puts him back in the ocean just right back as the boat is crashing. And he sees his daughter and an octopus comes out of her mouth. Oh, I hated that. He wakes up to Rial coming downstairs as she has a backpack. She's ready to leave like immediately. Yeah. And he's peed his pants and he's basically catatonic on the couch. Well, it's because he's seeing what the witch is forcing him to see. Right. Right. And clearly the pictures do hurt him. Right. Like he is having a reaction, a very real reaction to what he's seeing. Right. Uh, And she's just like, well, I'm leaving. Right. I've packed a bag. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. She struggles to open a window because he's like booby trapped, not booby trapped, but he's like made the house difficult to leave. She tries to reattach the doorknob first and he says no. Yeah. And he jumps at her to try and stop her and she stabs him in the leg with a screwdriver and bars the door. Yeah. Um, But then she does make her way out of a window and take off running. But the window doesn't lead to the courtyard of the projects in England. It leads to their school or community center back home. And all of her friends are there and they're all crying. They're so overjoyed to see her. And they kind of all sit in this room together. But she just says, I know what you are. Yeah. This is just a dream. Where is my daughter? And no one will tell her. And they kind of all disappear. And she hears ball through the wind like through the door uh walking in different clothes than we've seen Mm -hmm. and we see as she climbs out of a cabinet that like that's how she's been watching him and as she climbs out of a cabinet she's in the room that she was in moments before but all of those women that were surrounding her are shot dead on the floor man that reveal right there was so like wonderfully done like it's very clear without them telling you what happened it's very clear that she hid in that cupboard while 
people from the Civil War came in there and killed all of the women in that room. Yeah, and she's the the lone survivor, basically. Yeah, and that he found her there, yeah. Right. So we cut to her and Ball hiding on a rooftop, and we watch on the street below them as men just walk through the streets with machine guns. There's a man on fire. It's it's horrific. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, they walk at night across the fields until they finally arrive at, like, a bus depot, And they can't make it on the bus. They're taking children first. And they find a child that's kind of been separated from her mom. Yeah. And they push her onto the bus, which allows them both to get on the bus, basically by pretending to be her parents. Yeah. And they close the bus. And as they do, her actual mom makes it through the crowd and chases after the bus. And just the anguish in her voice chasing that bus is so sad. God. Oh, and like building up to them getting on the bus. And one of the reasons it's so dire and they have to get on that bus is because two truckfuls of like rebels or like s- soldiers are like coming to town, just mowing people down. So like, yeah, I'm assuming that their quote unquote daughter's real mother died minutes after that happened. I, I kept expecting because it watches her through the back of the bus as they drive away. I kept expecting her to run, run, run and then get mowed down. Me too. We don't ever see her get shot. We don't but I ever assume see her she get dies. shot, but yeah. I assume she does. Yeah. Yeah. We see as they, they take the girl with them. We see the shots from the beginning of the movie where they're loaded into the truck. Yeah. And they say, I'll protect you. And we see the overloaded boat. And this time we see more of the boat crash where we see that both Rial and uh, Niagak, the daughter, need help. And he chooses to swim to Rial and saves Rial. And then by the time he turns around to try and swim out to their daughter, it is too late. Yeah. And she has floated too far away and she dies. And so we cut back to the room full of women where she's like, yeah, now she's realizing you're all dead. She's dead. Everyone's dead. And she's like, what do I do? And they're and we, we don't even see any of the women speak. We just hear the voice of the witch. That's basically like, yeah, give me his body and I'll give you what you want. And yeah. she wakes up outside. It's raining. She's just passed out in the yard. Uh, Ball carries her inside and sets her in the kitchen. And they both kind of eye this knife on the counter. And she kind of hears voices. She gets up. She looks at the knife but doesn't grab it yet. She goes and washes her hands and then turns around and he has the knife at the table. Yeah, you hear him pick it up. Yeah. He slices his arm and says, this is what it wants and it'll come for me now. And he drips yeah. blood onto the floor and he says, let me save her because I should have tried harder. But yeah. she's dead. <laughs> like, it is, yeah. there is no saving. It is done. Yeah. And his guilt like that. No, no matter what you do in that situation, there's no right answer. Right. And yeah. so he's telling her, like, I see all of them. I see them from the boat. I, they're coming for me. Like, you have to go. And the whole house begins to kind of rumble and rattle. And a sinkhole opens up in the floor. And from the floor floor through like quicksand kind of the witch comes out of the floor like a fucking dune sandworm yeah and he reaches up and he sticks his fingers into the cut on ball's arm and for a moment it seems as if their daughter is returned to them but rial realizes it's a ghost she's like she can't come back she's dead yeah uh 
I have to say goodbye now. So she goes back into the kitchen, takes the knife and slits the throat of the witch, which is pretty fucking cool. It was cool. It is very cool. So when we all like, I love the the way they showed that she is like accepting what happens to her. Right. And realizing that they can never have their daughter back because you don't really see the whole daughter. You see the daughter's hand holding Rial's hand. Mm-hmm. And then she sort of says the I have to let you go yeah. line, whatever it actually is. And then you see her just let go of the hand. And I was like, fuck. Like, yeah. it is so sad. I, I think it was a really good representation of like, for a minute, she convinces him to never let it go. And yeah. then she's looking around like, we can't just sit in this forever. And she like changes right. her mind. It's like, okay, I was wrong. Let's move forward. Or you were wrong and I was wrong. We can do this. We, we can do this together. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're right. both handling trauma the wrong way, different ways. Yeah. Right. You know, so we cut to the investigation, which I assume is the next day, but they've covered up the blood from the night before. They started fixing the walls. It actually looks pretty great. Uh, They're grilling outside and they're like, you shouldn't be using a barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, they have fully repaired the holes in the walls. It probably is a few days later because it probably would take a few days to fix all that. But I mean, still, I mean, social work sometimes is slow. Yeah. So they use that to their advantage and they fix up those holes. Right. And Rial just says, I think I might paint this room red. And they're like, we were being a little dramatic before. It's okay. Ghosts are here, but we'll be fine. (laughs) Which I think is kind of a funny, like their whole thing is like, they never leave. They live with you. And we just kind of have to deal with that. But it's going to be cool, right? Right? This is our home, right? And Matt Smith is kind of like, yeah, it's your home. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah. Okay. But as they leave, we cut back and we still see all the ghosts around them all the time. I did think that the line where Matt Smith was like, what about the witch? Oh, she killed him. (laughs) Yeah, she killed the witch. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. No, but I mean, I think it was a great representation of trauma because it is always there. It's just how you deal with it. Well, what Ball says at the end, when he says what he says at the end, I just started crying because it's he literally says your ghosts follow you. They live with you. It's when I let them in. uh, I could start to face myself. And like I it's just so sad. Like I had that same sort of arc with uh, my therapy because like after the accident because I was like 15 when it happened. So after the accident, I went to therapy, but like I wasn't in any way able to deal with what happened so like i like shoved it down until like my late 20s when i went to therapy like and really started to try to address it and being able to talk about it without joking about it right like because that is very much a defense mechanism so like him saying that like really fucking hit me like oh it hit me so hard you shouldn't beat yourself up i mean like a 15 year old is in no way equipped to process trauma like that or deal with that like no i know yeah your brain's not developed and you don't have coping skills you don't have the maturity you don't have i mean like there's physical and psychological things developmental wise that make it much harder to deal with trauma like that i mean it does take till you're like 29 to successfully like process i mean like you you still can't it's just much harder for someone more impulsive and more you know like younger people have a harder time dealing with that and like you know the I have empathy for that. Yeah, I just feel like um, not addressing it. And and perhaps, Mikey, you might be right. And not even being able to address it when I was 15. I I wasn't. I'm not saying every 15-year-old couldn't. But I couldn't. Uh, And I feel like that led me, like, when you blame yourself for this kind of stuff, you also think that you're not worthy of, like, a good relationship or, you know, whatever that is. Well, when you think you did something terrible, you don't think you're worthy of love are being loved yes. or you're a good person or good right. things happening to you or things like that. Yeah. 
And that's hard. That's that can be very, very tough. And yeah. not to say you couldn't deal with that, but it takes a really ooh, it takes a it takes a lot of a lot of people championing you in your life at that point to help you deal with that. And if you're missing even a couple of those pieces, you can easily go down to one of those roles because someone 15 can also do what the wife did, which is, you know, just like yeah. not be able to do anything but live in it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like and, and perhaps there is a 15 year old there who could have addressed it better than I did. Like for me, it was very avoidant dismissive. I just didn't I didn't acknowledge it. I mean, I acknowledge it, of course, because my brother had died you know and going back to school everyone was like hey where's logan and i'm like oh shit uh now i have to tell all of the people who weren't our friends but knew him that he died like so i had it was in my face every day but like i was not acknowledging it or talking about my feelings around it really just yeah. very matter of fact about it right and it just led to all these kinds of problems and me making bad decisions like way after it happened like early 20s mid 20s like just making shitty decisions and being a bad bad person i guess looking back you should have just made it your aol instant messenger away message <laughs> so you didn't have to deal with that every day mikey uh it was my irc away message thank you very oh, much god that was probably your main problem <laughs> Yeah, my main problem is I found somethingawful.com super young. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, that, uh, yeah. and that sort of fucked me up in a real way, too. Uh, some, uh, something Awful and Lively just destroyed uh, the part of oh. my brain that had survived <laughs> the accident. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I, I, but I really do, like, if I can just say, like, go to therapy. Everyone has their specific trauma. And, man, if you don't deal with it, it's going to destroy you. And I, I really do feel like that is, like, the thrust of this movie, like neither of them were dealing with their trauma in a way that was going to help them through it. And they were very not accepting of it. And it took them sort of accepting it before it stopped actively trying to destroy them. And I both love and hated that metaphor <laughs> because that was sort of like how I experienced it. So like what I was saying, like this movie, I hated it because it was scary. And also it broke me emotionally. It did. <laughs> like it was rough. No, I think it's a very well-made film. And yes. you're right that that metaphor is so on the nose that it also yeah. made me be like, I just want a ghost house. I don't need any of this yeah. trauma. So I'm like, I'm like, I mean, I love the, I love the movie. I'm not saying I didn't, but I was just like, oh man, if this was The Conjuring, this would be much easier for me to watch right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would be much more like a Christian superhero movie than it yeah. is like addressing real feelings and emotions at all. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we also we are all coming at this from a place of people who have access to therapy. Yeah, no, that's also a great point. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing to like bring up in regards to this movie is like they don't have access. It's not being given to them. So it's no. doubly hard on top of everything that they're experiencing. Oh, you don't think they can afford it with their 74 pounds a, a week page? Yeah, well, and on top of having being in a new place with a new language yeah. with people who are not nice to them, like it's it's a whole fuck of a lot. It's overwhelming. And it's nail on the head because I one of my major yeah. pet peeves about therapy and social work and helping people is that it, like I work for a community mental health agency. So I, it's like nonprofit, like all of our services are grant based. But like, yeah, there's that level. And then there's one hundred and fifty dollars an hour. There's no really there's some like quote unquote sliding scale stuff but I mean like there is a high barrier of entry for like effective therapy and yeah. it's very privileged of who can afford it and I don't blame private practice therapists for going into it because you want to make a living and be able to have a life and, and, yeah, and they have to pay their and bills pay off your student yeah. loans right yeah. I mean yeah. like yeah it's just I, I don't know it just really pisses me off I, I don't know it, that hits the nail on the head but also I think one of the reasons it, it upset me is uh, movies in general 
I use is not a way of process trauma as a way to not think about trauma. So like the podcast and watching movies in general for me is more of a away from that. And this was like, you can't look away from your past trauma. Like you cannot watch this movie and not think about your past trauma or things that are going on in your life yeah. emotionally. And I think that makes it harder to watch because if you're a type of person who watches films as more of an escapist, you're going to have a hard time with this because this does not let you escape into the film. I mean, it does, but like you, it's a reflection. But yeah. I also think that's a good thing. I think oh, that's yeah. when I film is at its best sometimes is when it doesn't let you escape. It it confronts you in not just an effective way storytelling wise, but also, you know, cin- with its cinematography and production. Like, oh, yeah, this is a well-made film. Yes. On top of just being a good movie. <laughs> we watch a ton of terrible horror movies. Like, <laughs> this, and, and, and I don't know the budget. We haven't done anything like that. But, like, this is the kind of bar you should hold movies to. I mean, like, yeah. this is better than most of that. Shit. This is such a high bar, though. Like, for me, this bar is not cleared. Ex- uh, well, I, okay, so the ritual and the invitation, I feel like, cleared this sort of emotional level of horror that most movies don't. I I would say hereditary. I'd put hereditary in that camp too. And even oh, midsummer. Yes, absolutely. I also think like like I said, there's yeah. like the con there's like that camp of like the conjuring. There's well-made good horror movies that aren't big emotional metaphors too. You're right. I do feel like the conjuring series is well made. I just don't feel like they're trying to do the emotional t- right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, Mikey, I do feel like this movie, if it wasn't executed well, it just wouldn't resonate on that emotional level. It would still be scary because it was very scary on its own without the emotional shit. But like because it's so well executed you really feel it and it really pulls you in and like if you've dealt with any sort of trauma it really holds the mirror up to it Paige is right I mean it's an incredible film for making you feel these things and think about it and analyze it in this way yeah it's just I was uh, I knew that this movie was like a deep deeper dot like a deeper emotional thing. and I was just like I'm not ready for this today but I have to watch it because we're doing this tomorrow yeah and yeah I was like oh so good I hate it yeah did we finish the movie like we yeah we did Well, let's do the... And and that's that's the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, and having already sort of discussed our final thoughts... Do you have any more final thoughts? No, I, I think we covered I pretty much we everything. I that one part, so yeah. Yeah, I think we did. Uh, I mean, other than I really loved this movie and I will never watch it again. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is one of those where... Oh, I would show this to other people. I would tell other people to watch it, but there are not enough tissues in my house for me to watch this again. Well, that's because you masturbate too much. Oh, jeez. <laughs> God, those damn gory holes, Mikey. <laughs> I, I think for me, it would be a tough watch again. Like, it, you know, yeah. it's not something I will. It's not going to be comfort horror for me. Let's put it that no. way. No, it's uncomfort horror. It is uncomfort horror. <laughs> yeah, I would absolutely. recommend it to everyone because I do think everyone should see it. Like me too. Mm-hmm. It's one of those where I'm like, I think this is essential viewing. It's not going to be fun, but like everyone should watch it. Yeah. Like pick a night where you're in a really good mood, but are okay to watch like a sad movie. Like if you were going to watch Schindler's list, but also like horror movies, watch this movie. Right. So Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? Very few. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Trauma, house, fun, fun facts. facts, gory, hold fun facts. Uh, so very, very few fun facts on this. Uh, one of the main ones is that while researching the screenplay, the screenwriter really wanted to represent kind of how immigrants to the UK are sold on it being the land of Charles Dickens and Jane Austen and the royal family. But their reality is much different than that. That is also yeah. the case 
in America. Well, they've read Jane Austen and Dickens, right? Like, the, the, those books are not super That's true. Happy. That, that is also <laughs> at a time when England is kind of shitty. Yeah. But um, I, I think it's the same thing of, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you guys are from the South. I don't know if you've ever met people who immigrated here from another country and got dumped in like the sticks where it's like yeah uh the nearest walmart's 10 miles from here and you don't have a car and you don't have a car and like yeah you know so that's that's something that definitely happens here too nashville's one of the uh, top three immigration cities in uh, the country i think we have the top kurdish population in the country yeah because in the 70s when they were fleeing saddam hussein um a lot of them settled here in fact there's a big community in south nashville of, i mean and i grew up in south nashville so like a lot of my friends in high school were first generation kurdish immigrants like well their parents came here and then they were born like because they were born around the same time i was in like the early to mid 80s and so a lot of my friends were kurdish but if you can imagine coming to america i mean putting nashville in the mid 80s then yes it's exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah and i mean it happens here where people end up in in what we call like the inland empire so it's like east of los angeles where it's like we're going to los angeles no you're going an hour and a half east of los angeles (laughs) have fun um and and it's kind of stuff like that or uh in northern california there was a big a Sikh population in the almond farming industry. Interesting. So like just slightly uh, south of us along the five. So yeah. Uh, Another tie into my mother getting into yoga. She learned to teach yoga at a Sikh ashram. And when I would go visit her, we would hang out there all the time. And I had a bunch of friends in Florida that were Sikhs and they are some of the coolest people you will ever meet. Very cool. And well, and they love that Sikh community. They they heavily factor into a lot of the uh, farming in certain parts of Northern California. Anyway, so yeah, um, this did premiere at Sundance in 2020, and it was supposed to have a theatrical release, uh, but obviously the pandemic happened, and so it ended up coming out on Netflix ten months later. And the bulk of it was shot in Essex and. Those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts. Let's talk about some box office, which Paige just alluded to. It never actually went to theaters, even though it definitely was going to go to theaters. What a shame. Yeah, this would have been a great one to see in theaters. It really would have been. And and when we talk about Scary Scale, this would have been way higher on the Scary Scale. Oh, this would have been fucking terrifying in a theater. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like I watched this after work before we recorded, so it was still light outside. If I had watched this on my big TV upstairs in the dark, I would have. It would have been very scary in a theater. It would have been even more so. We were watching this last night. Mike and I were watching it kind of around the same time, oh, and yeah. uh, we were both commenting that we were like, "Oh, Todd's gonna fucking hate this." <laughs> like I did. Okay, so back to box office. So as Paige said, this did premiere at Sundance, which happened in January of 2020. Um, but it's actually end of January. I think it was January 30th is when it premiered. Something like that. It was gonna go to theaters, but of course a worldwide pandemic happened, so it didn't. Netflix bought the rights to it, which I wish I knew how much they paid for it, but I can't find that information anywhere. And it premiered on Netflix on January 30th of 2020. But I do have the budget. Would either of you like to guess what the budget for his house was? This is a single location movie for the most part. Yeah. There are like three other sets and that's it. So I'm going to say this is maybe like five million. Okay. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? Probably three million. All right. So the budget for this movie was actually $10 million. Okay. It looks great for 10. It looks great. It really does. Like, I, I feel like it looks like it's more than a $10 million movie. It is great. But again, as Paige was saying, it is a sort of a single-ish location movie. Right. So 
it makes sense that it would be on the cheaper side, but it is really well done. The special effects are really well done. Yeah. And I think most of them, if not all of them, are practical. Like everything except the squid, I think, are practical. It looks that good, at least. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's some stuff that's definitely uh, a little a little computer help, but yes. not overdone yeah, yeah. at all by any stretch. Yeah. But that's your box office because unfortunately, I don't know what Netflix paid for it, but I'm sure it made money. I bet they got more than $10 million for it. Yeah, probably. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that Scary Scale? Scary Scale listeners is how scary we found the film. We watched the film. Shit. The Scary Scale listeners is how scary we found the film. <laughs> One to ten today are when we watch them for this podcast and not a scale of quality, just scare of how scary we were. Our one example is Ghostbusters and our ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Why am I struggling? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mikey, I just want to say you nailed it. Well done. <laughs> no notes. No notes. <laughs> I think Mikey's having a stroke, Paige. I'm going to give this a four. Oh, shit. I'm going to give it a six, but... If I saw this in the theater, it probably would have been a nine. Yeah, in, in theaters, I think this would have probably been like a seven for me. Yeah, fuck, it's so scary. I'm going to give it a five. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah, and that's our scary scale. If I gave this like a, how much does this trigger your specific trauma scale, it'd be like a nine or oh, a ten yeah. for me. Yeah. It doesn't trigger my specific traumas, but it, I could understand how this would be triggering for a lot of people from with a lot of different traumas. I had a lot of trouble watching the daughter uh, drown because that felt very reminiscent of me laying next to my brother on the side of the road as he was dying. Yeah. It was hard. But it was in water. It was in water, but it was he, it, she it's, was very It's not lifeless. being able to save someone is what it is. Yeah. It was rough, man. I was like bawling my eyes out. It was hard to watch, man. Um, okay. So Mikey, uh, quickly leaving the very sad thing I was talking about. Would you have a review for us to read? No. Well, you had one job. Was listening to your serious trauma <laughs> and not <laughs> reviewing reviews. The one time you decide to listen to me. Great. So, Mikey, <laughs> while you're looking up a review, let, let me let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast. And that is to, to leave us a five-star review. And we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? We're going to read Dante78. All right, Dante78. What you got for us? Absolutely Quote, pee your pants funny. <laughs> okay. They say, I have streamed almost all the episodes on Spotify and just needed to review it here to show the pod some more love. Oh, why thank oh, you, thank Dante. You. That's very kind. Yeah. There is such great chemistry with all the hosts across all the episodes. Taking horror, subjecting a semi-willing dude to them is pretty simple concept. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I'm semi-willing. I like that. But... but but Paige, Mikey, and Todd give insight and f a fresh, humorous perspective into a genre I already love. Aww. I wish I could give it even more stars. Thank you from your company during this ongoing traumatic event. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is just the pandemic. Mo modern and just being alive. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just yeah. here and now. And yeah. please, oh, please, Mikey, read this in either the Swedish Chef or the Seinfeld beat. Oh, oh shit! shit! <laughs> <laughs> guys pro tip put that in the first sentence yeah and i'll do my best if we ever needed more proof that mikey doesn't pre-read these i feel like that is the proof right i'm ron burgundy <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it well dante thank you so much for that awesome five-star review and if you want to have mikey read your review leave us a five-star review so this week you guys made me watch his house what are you guys making me watch next week? Next week, we will be watching The Night House. Which 
Okay, so I have like a whole metaphor about this movie. I really loved it. It scared the shit out of me. It scared you, Mikey? Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. You're famously dead inside, so I'm terrified to watch this if you're scared of this. One, it scared me, and it reminded me a lot of work with two things oh, at the God. same time. And I was like, Ugh! And I was like, it's a great metaphor. It's kind of like this, where there's a lot of processing. <laughs> That we're okay. going to have to do But there'll probably be better jokes Okay <laughs> Alright No gory holes in that movie Is what you're saying Technically there is A couple of gory <laughs> holes In that movie If you felt like you were Missing out on jokes In this movie Just wait and listen to The Seven Brides for Seven Brothers cut On Romancing the Pod For this week Or if you can like Break into my computer And get the lost 14 minutes Or whatever That we recorded <laughs> At the beginning of this episode No You'll laugh <laughs> <laughs> So guys If you like this show But want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies check out romancing the pod where mikey page and i break down and make fun of romantic movies it's a lot of fun guys check it out if you want to follow us on social please do we are at horror virgin or online at horrorvirgin.com. if you want to follow us all individually you can do that as well page is at page wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If if you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. Nick B, fun fact. Oh, yeah? He thought there were people in his walls, but it was just rats. Ugh. Well, Nick B, put down the hammer and stop ruining your walls. Just call an exterminator to get those rats out of there. All right, this episode also brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager has been driving her crazy this week. So how has Tia's teenager been driving her crazy? Drown in the ocean. I don't say, God damn it, Mikey. <laughs> That's the one I didn't want you to say. But unfortunately, I don't have time to edit the episode, so we've got to move on. She keeps making damn holes in the walls. Well, I think it's time for her to learn how to patch those holes in the walls. Oh, swim. Swim. Time to her to learn. Mikey, how to... Shut up. She's I not the hottest woman shit. in Mexico. <laughs>
fuck. That uh, La Yarona episode is nuts. All La right. Yarona. I, La Yarona. La Yarona. This episode also brought to you by the number Jeff, and Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down an episode of the Jessica Jones, Agent Carter, or WandaVision. So if you want a breakdown recap show for any of those three shows, check out Kissing Jessica Jones. Uh, this episode also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants you to watch... Specifically, you two to watch some spooky spider videos. So, you guys ready to watch a spooky spider video? Yeah, I guess. Uh, let me share my screen here real quick. Bleep, 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 bleep. So, this is called Fear Factor Moments Tarantula Pit. Oh, oh, they're like heads what in the tarantula box. <laughs> yeah, they had to put their head through that gory hole, and then the spiders climbed on their faces. Now, tarantulas don't bite, right, Paige? No, they do. They have fangs. They bite. I liked this better when they did it in Jackass. Oh, my God. I can't. Oh, my God. I can't. Nothing says this show came out in 2006 like a puka shell necklace. Man, it's too bad that we hunted the puka to extinction. Yeah, so those are their fangs. Like, you can see their fangs. Oh, my God. Oh, sex. They're having sex. They're, like, fighting on his face. I I could not let spiders climb on my face. This dude is like stone cold fine though. He's like spiders on my face. I'll give a shit. I would not ever fuck with this dude. No, this guy has quote unquote accidentally killed someone in a bar fight. Oh, oh man, I can't. Uh... Thank you, Jonathan, for making us watch that spooky spider video with what I'm going to say is now the world's scariest man. I might need a palate cleanser of that Icelandic band from Eurovision last year. Oh, you mean uh, Think About Things, that song? Think About Things, yes. I forget the name of the band, but that song slaps. Yes. We now return you to another episode of uh, The The Patreonicals. 5,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I thought it was 20,000 leagues under the sea. We're on a small budget. Yeah. (laughs) Damn you, Jules Verne. (laughs) Okay, so Wes got pulled from Scott, who sucked by Amber and Allie out of Scott's shoulder. And he comes out and he's a little ghost man made of clay. Wow. So his ghostiness, like the ectoplasm of his ghostness, like I guess just absorbed some of the rock and it turned into clay. He looks like Voldemort, like, in the station, you know, up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cross yeah. station, you know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, this sucks. And the mermaids are like, we'll try to do better. And we're going to like, Amber and Allie like look at each other. They make out. And then they're like, we're going to try to I'm do better. I'm sorry. They make out? That's the traditional mermaid celebration. It's not sexual. <laughs> You know what? It was wrong of me to assume it was sexual just because that's part of my culture. I didn't realize that that was not part of their culture. <laughs> Paige, Paige is opening back up the romance novel. What is that one called? Uh, this one's called Falling for the Highlander. And it's got a very shirtless man with a kilt. Well, and you can see the top of his butt crack. Like it's very it's a lot of shoulders. It's a lot of shoulders. It's, shoulders. Yeah. Shoulders. it's all shoulder and butt crack. And honestly, I think by the end of this movie... Or by the end of that book, there's only going to be one person left because there can be only one Highlander. Exactly. And uh, if you're curious, you can ask Lindsay Sands about it. Uh, Lindsay, if you would like to be a, a guest on either of our podcasts, uh, reach out to Paige Wesley on Twitter and uh, see if we can hook that up. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I will gladly talk to her. I have read multiple of her books now. Dude, if we could get her on Romance in the Pod, that would be the tits. I would love everything about that. I would love this a lot. That's not really her concentration. It's more backs. (laughs) That's fair. Okay. So picture Captain Brother. 
Mikey just like moves into it. He's like, he's like, I'm done with this. We're moving past he's it. Wearing short cut off pantaloons, shirtless. Oh, okay. His peg leg glistens. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey is now making it like it's a romance novel, and I'm here for he it. He turns to Jennifer with a ph. He's like, I've got wood <laughs> on my leg. <laughs> Paige has taken her headphones off. She is standing up. She is walking out of the room. She has opened the door. Okay, no, she's coming back. She's coming back. Okay, okay. Oh, man. We almost lost her, Mikey. We almost He's lost like, her there. We're 20,000 leagues under the sea, and I just want to bang. <laughs> you know that famous line from that Jules Verne novel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she with a PH, she, turn, she kisses him and she says, This isn't sexual. This is part of my culture. <laughs> no, she's not a mermaid. Y'all never listen to me. <laughs> you're such an idiot. And I love it. I love it. But I love you're it. Right. But she was celebrating because she wants to have sex with him. So then it becomes sexual. So it is sexual? No. Oh. It's still a thing of celebration, like a <laughs> high five down there. But then she's gonna also high five him down there. down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mikey, when I see you next and I kiss you full on the mouth, just remember it's not sexual. We're not under the sea, <laughs> Mikey. We should go to the ocean together. This is unrelated. No. Unrelated to what we're talking about right now. I will drown you like <laughs> a certain child that we talked about earlier. <laughs> All right. Or stay away from umbrellas. Well, Mikey, when you get that $150 pool that you bought off Amazon installed, we'll just come over there. I forgot I did that. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait. We are we are legit going to create content from that pool. I promise you. I, we we got to get through this. Like, I sorry, just want to be done with this. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I had a whole thing lined up. You guys are ruining it. Like a sex date? Yeah, this is a sex episode of <laughs> Patreonical. <laughs> it's a sex episode. Oh, we know how well those have gone in the past. Dreskel's down there, and he, uh, he's he got Sneaky Snake and Joey and Nathan, and they're fighting. But it's not sexual. It's just part <laughs> of their culture. Just fighting, yeah. <laughs> well, they kill the... They kill the, the Kraken or whatever. Right. They killed the, and they're like, this place sucks. We got to get out of here. And they, um, they're back in their cell and Dreskel's like, I know a way to get out. And he's like, he, like part of his robot body opens and a key to the cell comes out. And they're like, we're going to escape next week. In the, episode. <laughs> like in the next episode wait, wait, they're wait, wait. Gonna are they self-aware are like are they aware that they're in a weekly episodic sort of thing at the end of horror virgin episodes no not yet oh well, dreskel is because he knows everything he's part of the illuminati he knows i exist to make the story so this is very wait, Deadpool, the illuminati knows it. you exist yes so cut to aaron and danielle oh and they're with their moon people and part of their culture is they're gonna have moon sex orgy because they've been reunited with some of their people from the mun isn't so that just they, rubbing your butts together though and that's <laughs> yeah. what they're all doing and it's so hot and wet because it's under the ocean <laughs> but also not sexual it's just part of their culture it's just part, no it's <laughs> sexual oh okay sorry some people are getting mun pregnant through their butt their, their belly gets you know full of cheese okay their butts have all of their sexual organs in them okay this is i don't I don't want to know about any of this. <laughs> they call it a prost grate. <laughs> yeah. Only for the males. But in their culture, there's four different genders, sexes, that need to come together in an orgy to make a baby. 
So you need four butts to make a baby. Well, you need 16 butt cheeks. <laughs> so eight butts yeah. to make the a baby. The math on this is breaking my mind. <laughs> they have multiple butt cheeks more than we do. Because <laughs> it was like, we have multiple they butt cheeks. They have a triangle crack. Okay. So they have three butt cheeks each? Uh-huh. Okay, so they need at least six people with three butt cheeks and then one person with two butt cheeks. It's just like math class. I hate oh, everything wait, no, about that, this sexual that, encounter. That was also wrong. They need five people. Oh, fuck. I'm never getting laid on the mun. <laughs> Don't worry about it. They all just group together, and there's so many butt cheeks in the scene. People are getting pregnant. They don't even know. I don't think it's about the number of butt cheeks. I think it's the amount of friction. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just mad that I couldn't divide by 15. Like, like... <laughs> Okay, we'll move on from that. That's Thank what they're you. doing. Uh, Kaylee um, is with Isaac and Karun, and, and she's like, hey, you guys are really violent, but kind of nice now can i hang with y'all and they're like yeah and then they all have sex <laughs> oh my god oh my god but Paige, it's not sexual no, no it's, just... it's just part of their throbbing culture <laughs> cut to kate and most evil matthew and most evil matthew's like kate you're a bitch and okay this is a picture of when i killed your whole entire family and your pets good lord evil very evil. most evil Amy and Shining Donut just fucking, like, just straight up. <laughs> but again, not sexual. Part no. of their culture. You guys just don't understand their heritage. Well, right. you know what Shining Donut is. A donut? Cream filled. Oh, well, now he is, yeah. And he's just trying to get, <laughs> he's trying to get that cream out. And uh, that's the episode. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess we'll find out next week who got pregnant on the sex episode of uh, the, the Patreonicals. Mikey, I both want you to be happy about what just happened, but also ashamed. I'm always like that when it comes to sex. <laughs> I know. I've noticed. You should talk to someone about that. Do you have a spare $150? No, I just talked to myself. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. It's not sexual nerds.